invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. And at, this, at that juncture, there's a change in dispensations. They'd been through 4,000 years with the Old Covenant. I don't like calling it the Old Covenant because it's still relevant. How about the First Covenants? But in the First Covenants, they got to know who they were, but they didn't get to know who God is. And so the law came, Galatians 3.24 says that the law came as a school teacher to bring us to Christ. In other words, you read the law and you're thinking, wow, I, I can't do that. How many of you read the Ten Commandments and disqualified on a bunch of them, right? So none of you, uh, you're all so perfect, I forgot. Okay, so I had a problem with a couple of those commandments, but you obviously didn't. But anyway, they did not know it. They didn't know anything about God. Moses, the Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God. And the anointing came on the prophet, the priest, and the king, but other people didn't have that experience with God at all. And so Jesus' primary function when he came was to reveal the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, but they had no idea what he was like. I mean, you know, taking the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you'd be considered unclean. And then you had to go before the priest and give an offering and, and get yourself cleansed and all that. But the first thing that Jesus did when he came was he laid hands on a leper and cleansed him. So things were shifting. Just like when he left, I mean, when he came, he had to be born of a virgin. But when he left, the first person that he touched was Mary of Magdalene, a hooker that had seven devils cast out of her. So, so God has been continuously revealing himself to humans. And in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, he uses the word repent, but it's metanuo, and it means change the way you think. In other words, your, your, your idea of God is messed up. He said, change your, change your mind. Repent for the kingdom of God is what? Within reach. Within reach. The kingdom of God is... Hands length from you, the kingdom I came, I came to bring you the kingdom of God. Of course, Paul taught on it in Romans 14, 17, and he said, the kingdom is not a physical thing, but it's righteousness. Think about it. He made you right. The blood of Jesus was the only thing that could, that could make you right. It had to be, you know, the way it's described in the Bible as a coin of equal value. So the only thing that could redeem you was a coin of equal value. He, God, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that you'd be made the righteousness of God in him. So he made you righteous. And then he said, my peace, I, mean, I came to give you my peace. I'm the prince of peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Righteousness in the Holy Ghost because of the blood of Jesus. Peace in the Holy Ghost, because he's the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And joy, unspeakable and full of glory. So those are the things that we should be experiencing. So anyway, he said, repent. He said, he said change your attitude. Change your actions for an invasion from the spirit realm is imminent. And that brings us up to today. That's where we are today. One era has just closed. And another era is opening. I remember saying this to Pastor Paul a year ago. I said, this is so weird. I said, I felt like we left one building and we haven't entered the next building and we're somewhere in the alley. And we've been there for over a year. We've been in this alley, not knowing, you know, and, and then you look at what, what's happened in the world and you're thinking, wow, is God still on the throne? And he abs absolutely, yes, of course he is. Then you looked at the church, and because the reality of COVID was greater than the reality of God, everybody ran in fear. Everybody forgot Psalm 91. 
He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, you are my God in whom I trust, and surely you shall deliver me from the fowler, from the pestilence, and everything else that's going on in the world. The church just forgot that. But it's okay because that locates where you are. You see, because maybe you thought you were more spiritual. <laughs> maybe you thought you had it all together until the test came. And when the test came, people forgot everything that they had learned because it wasn't in here. It was in here. And so now we see what we really need to be doing. You know, he, he said, don't, don't be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God. If there ever was a time when we need to be renewing our minds by the word of God. How many, of you, how many of you know the Southwest Believers Convention, the 40th one, was just over on Saturday? How many of you saw any of the services? Let me say this. If you haven't seen them, go back and do it because they are life-changing messages. Bill Winston has got something that I haven't heard anybody else has got a hold of it like he's got a hold of it right now, and you can catch it. You can catch it. Bill Johnson was awesome. You know, Jerry Seville, as usual, and I could name them all, but I encourage you, go do those things because they'll build up your faith. They'll build you back up because the world has trashed you down. The media has torn up things, said the church wasn't essential, the only essential thing on the planet, and they said we weren't essential, told us to stay the blazes home. I'm so glad he's going to Blaze's home right now. So I heard he's retiring. Hallelujah. But that's another Don't talk politics. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Don't talk politics. You're right. Okay. So. <laughs> Hallelujah. Forgive them, Lord. They don't understand. So he said, repent. I've come to teach you about the Father and to bring the kingdom to you. I mean, even the disciples over in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, they said, teach us how to pray. And he said, our Father messed them up completely. That one, that, that one phrase messed them up completely. You mean he's my Father? I, I've got 613 rules I need to follow. And it keeps me busy all day long. And here's these guys, they've been studying the Old Testament scriptures for years and years and years and didn't recognize Jesus when he came. So when I see that, I'm thinking, this next revival that we're moving in on is moving in on us. Help me, God, not to be like that. Help me to recognize what you're doing in the earth. Just because it didn't look like I thought I had it figured it out to be. Most of the church world, since I've been a Christian, was waiting on the rapture of the church. I want to encourage you. You're not going anywhere. He's not taking a defeated church that owes all the, leaving your bills behind. <laughs> he said, I'm coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I'm the supplier of all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He said, I can't, I can't take you home until I teach you who you are in Christ. Lord. You got the Gideon mentality. I'm the smallest guy from the smallest tribe and, the, and I'm broken hiding in the woods. That was Gideon, right? And God says, you're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And you're above only and never underneath. And I'll always cause you to triumph in Christ. Those are the things we need to get back onto. Instead of saying, oh God, if I can just hang on to you, come. No, kick some butt till he comes. Kick some butt. It's time to rise up and kick some butt. 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 Anyway, so, so this is what he's saying. He's saying a change in attitude and a change in action because an invasion from the spirit realm is imminent, and, and it's happening again. It's, it's, it's another move of the Holy Ghost. It's Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, and reading to the end of the chapter. Read that, and not now. <laughs> Read it in your own time. But spend your time. Spend as much time as you can in the Word of God and in prayer. Now it's vital vital. Anyway, uh, chapter 5 is where I want to go. Uh, and this is, of course, he says, 
when he saw the multitude, he went up into the mountain. When he sat down, the disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them. I just want to zero in on verse 6 today. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And you can create an appetite for anything. We started with a smoker a year ago. Yesterday, Pastor Paul, I did a five-pound meatloaf in, in hickory smoke. Oh, brother. Brother. See, what are you doing right now? I'm creating an appetite. Like, in, and when the, that appetite takes, and you can do this, you can do this. He said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? They shall be filled. They shall be filled. See, and, and so what it tells me is God has obligated himself to the hungry, but not to the satisfied. And then, of course, we understand that what controls your, what controls your hunger, what controls your appetite, controls your life. For example, if you like donuts, you don't have to tell me. No, no, we have dear friends that are, one of them is now in heaven, Buddy and Pat Harrison. And they love sugar so much that they called their daughters candy and cookie. Now, they were powerful ministers of God, but let me tell you something. They liked sugar. And, and so, but we didn't have to ask, do you like sugar? Because they carried it with them. What are you saying? I'm saying when you get hungry and thirsty after the things of the Spirit of God, you won't have to tell anybody. You won't have to tell anybody. Your greatest witness will be the way that you're living. The, way, the, the greatest witness will be that you're carrying the glory. And, and, you, and you know the glory is on you. And you're so, you're so wrapped up in his presence that other people can see there's something very different about you. Amen? So, so this is where we're going, right? So what controls your hunger controls your life. Uh, let's go to let's go to Psalm 107 first. Just one verse, verse six. Psalm 107, verse six. For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. So you want some goodness? Create an appetite. For the word of God. I, again, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like what Jesus said in John 8, you know, in verse 31, 32. He said, if you'll continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. And, and you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. So the more truth that you have, the freer you become. You can walk in total freedom or you can walk in fear. But my Bible says that that love casts out fear. And then when I read 1 John 4, 8, and, verse, and also in verse 15, it tells me that God is love. Then when I get to verse 18, he said, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. He said, fear has torment, and fear will torment you. Anxiety, have you ever had anxious thoughts, worrisome thoughts? What that means is you're not mature in the love of God. If you knew the love of God, everything in your life would change. Everything would change. If you knew how much God loved you, it would change you today. If you understand that he's not mad at you, that he doesn't have a grudge against you, that, you're, that the only thing that upsets him is when you see yourself as inferior, that when you don't see yourself the way that he sees you. Come on. He, he said, I created you in my image and in my likeness. I showed you how to live victoriously by sending my son. And he taught you that only what he saw me doing, that's what he operated in. So he was just operating in the spirit realm all the time because whatever God said do on the inside of him, that's what he did. Very successful. How would you know he was very successful? And then he said in John 14, 12, these works you do also and greater works because I'm going to my father. And so, you know, let, let's just do the first part of the verse. These works will you do also. Who was he talking to? He was talking to you. I mean, Paul the Apostle went and showed the greater works when they took aprons from his, 
from his body. They had to touch Jesus' garment, but Paul was able to take the garments off and send them out. Things like that. Peter was healed. People, people were laying, come on, Peter. How many of you know Peter denied Jesus three times? And one time Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter had some issues. But after he repented, after he changed his attitude, 50 days later, he preached the, at Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. And then later on, they started laying sick people on the street in case he would walk by and get within a COVID distance. No, when you got near Peter, if you came six feet within Peter, you weren't catching the disease, you were catching the healing. But that's the way we're supposed to be. We have to see ourselves that way. Running around with a mask, I don't want to spread any disease. Oh, stop it. Don't go there, okay? I keep going there because it makes me so angry. I was on the elevator the other day. There was room for 10 people on the elevator. I got on first. Nobody would get on with me because I didn't have a mask on. So I sneezed. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I've never seen people gripped with fear like this. It, it, it moved me with compassion, not with ridicule. I'm making fun of it here in front of you, but I've never seen people so afraid. We were sitting eating an ice cream one day, and this girl almost jumped out of the way when she came too close to us. Now, if I'd have been her, I'd been saying, give me a leg of that. Come on, it was a hot day, and ice cream looked good. Okay, he satisfies the hungry soul and fills the hungry man with goodness. Chapter Psalm chapter 42. Verse 7, it says, deep calls on to deep. At the, yeah, King James didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> deep calls on to deep at the noise of your water spouts. All of your waves and your billows are gone over me. Yet I will command, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And then all night long. Uh, he shall be with me in my prayer unto God. L let me give you a, a, a better translation. Now, you won't find this in a Bible anywhere. I made it up myself, but I did due diligence on the words. Okay, so this is, what, this is what he said. My deep need calls out to the deep grace of your love. Your deep intercession for me carries me along. I'll say that again. My deep need calls out to your deep grace, the deep grace of your love, and your deep intercession for me carries me along. Now, when you think about that, think about how Jesus said, the Bible says that Jesus ever lives, his purpose in heaven now is to make intercession for you. That would tell me that if I just get in agreement with what he's praying, if two agree, it'll be done, right? And I know he's always praying good over Gary. He's praying good over you. Okay, one more. Isaiah 44. In verse 3. He said, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon your dry ground. You got some ground that's dry and cracked and nothing's growing there. We learned some things about growing with our garden this year, first time we ever had a garden. And uh, it's been an education. Um, we found out that the crows will eat your blueberries. We've got cultivated blueberries, so, so you got to drive the crows out of there. And then we found out about tomatoes. If they don't have tomatoes on them, you cut them off because they're branches that are sucking up the nutrients out of the soil and producing no good. But then we found out something else, that the seed, when it goes in the soil, it draws all the nutrients out of the soil and begins to, to grow what you planted in there. That's why every few years you have to replenish the soil because it gets depleted. But then you think about how God made fish out of the ocean, and when they separate from the ocean, they die. He made cattle out of the dirt, and if they separate from the dirt, they die. And then when he went to make you, you came out from him. And so as long as you're rooted in that soil, 
he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? As long as you're rooted in him, you'll flourish. And there will be, like Nancy was out there yesterday, after she heard Bill Winston talking about it, breaking branches off of her tomato plants, the ones that had no tomatoes on them. And then the other thing that we didn't know is, somebody told us if you water, <laughs> gardening 101. <laughs> somebody told us if you, you know, when you grow tomatoes, lots of sun, lots of water. So we almost had them all drowned. Because after they grow a little while, you have to back off in the water. We weren't backing off at all. <laughs> you need water, I'm going to give you a drink, man. But the, the thing that I'm learning through the process is this is how we grow. We, we are seeds that came out of God. And he planted us into the earth. And as long as we're planted in that soil of his garden, we'll grow and we'll flourish. But if we get disconnected from him, just like the fish out of water, now, a fish can last a while out of water. I know we had some pine tree branches that blew off in the fall, and I went around and gathered them in the spring. They still looked, they were still alive, even though they'd been cut off from the source for months and months and months. And this is what I've seen with Christians. They cut themselves off from the local church and do this and do that, and for years it looks like they're doing okay, and then one day they just wither up and they're gone. It's strange. Other people get off. This one woman that used to come to our church, I just contacted just the other day, found out that she's now a yoga instructor. How many of you know yoga and transcendental meditation and all those things? It's witchcraft. It's New Age. It's old Babylonian. It's not safe. Even the motions that you do are things that they use to, to conjure up devils. And she used to go to church. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's move on from that. Let's go to Genesis chapter 31. But it's so innocent. Yeah, I know. Lots of things appear to be that way. My first beer was innocent. <laughs> I've just got this, I just, just. I watched somebody pay $100 for a bottle of Chardonnay, and I'm thinking, why? Why? What is the difference between that and the $5 stuff I used to drink? A <laughs> hundred bucks for a bottle of bingo, sir. Come on. Chardonnay. <laughs> The world is so stupid, man. <laughs> no, no, but get a load of this. The most expensive bottle of wine right now on the planet is $300,000. One bottle. One bottle. So then think about Jesus in John chapter 2 turning the water into wine. The governor of the feast. This guy's a respected wine connoisseur. You know, the bouquet Roll around and yeah. you spit it up and do all that. That guy, he said, you have saved the best wine for last. And God gave them 30 gallons of this stuff. <laughs> That's the way we used to drink it. <laughs> hey, we're not bragging about it. We, we're very grateful not to be in that ditch anymore. No, no, in the Bible, there's talks about... Syrio, Cyrano or something, the guy that the woman nailed to the tent with a spike through his ear, no, through his temple. I said, I have experienced that. The hangover was that intense that I was praying to a God I didn't even know. Oh, God, if you just take this away from me, I promise I'll serve you. How many of you have ever done that? Yeah. How many of you didn't follow through? <laughs> Because that was on a Monday, and by Wednesday, you were feeling pretty good again. So, you know. The merry-go-round. The merry-go-round and round and round until finally somebody let me off. I thought I had control of this. Yeah, well, that's what the devil wanted you to think. Then one day, crisis hits, and the God that you turn to, the place where you get your comfort... If it's alcohol or drugs, yeah. Anyway. 
Okay, get back to this, please, in Jesus' name. Chapter 31 and verse 1, And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and that which our father's, he's gotten all of our father's glory. And the message we've been preaching this past couple of months is on the glory of God, how all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but Hebrews 2.10 says the captain of our salvation came to restore us back to glory, back to his original intention for us. His original intention for you is that you would dominate, not one another, but that you dominate the earth. That you would dominate, that you're a priest and a king. See, back in the Old Testament, the priest, the king, and the prophet got the anointing, but now you're a prophet, a priest, and a king. You're a prophet of your own life. You're a priest when you're praying for other people, and you're a king when you're taking the authority of God's word and speaking it out of your mouth. Amen? So he said, you've gotten all his glory, and I wanted to point out the, the word kabod. It's in the essence, it's the essence of his being. Now, when we're talking about God's glory, it's the essence of his being. It's all that he is. It's his full weight. It's his power. It's his presence. It's his anointing. And Habakkuk 2.14 says that the knowledge of that glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Uh, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 22, God said, as surely as I live, my glory shall cover the earth. You know, he he said, this generation rejected it, but as surely as I live, my glory shall cover the earth. Then uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that you're being changed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus. So the more you're looking at the glory of God, the more that you're expecting to walk in something that you can't attain by yourself, the more it's going to manifest, right? So, So this is what he's saying to Jacob. But now let's turn over to chapter 32. Now, even though, even though Jacob now, 20 years after receiving the double portion blessing, 20 years later, he's walking in it to a degree. But let's look at chapter 32 and verse 7. Well, we really need to read the first few verses. Then Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. That's kind of cool. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's army. And he called the name of the place Manahayim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, unto Edom, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak to my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob said this, I have sojourned in the land of Laban and stayed there until now. I've got much oxen, asses, and flocks, and men servants and women servants. And uh, I've sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in your sight. But read verse 7. Then Jacob was greatly afraid. Even though he had begun to walk in the blessings of God, he was still dealing with the fear in his life. And he wanted peace with Esau, but what he really needed was peace with himself. He had no inner peace. And so you can't, this is why we have a hard time dominating our circumstances, because if we don't have it on the inside, what I don't have on the inside, I can't project to the outside. Only what's inside of me can I, can, I, can I export. Only what's inside of me, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Where I see myself, how I see myself, rather, is how I find myself. That's why we looked last week or two weeks ago at Gideon in Judges chapter 6. He was the least in his father's house. He was living in fear. He had so much inferiority. He said, I'm the smallest tribe, and I'm the brokest person here. And God spoke to his potential and said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Gideon, go in this thy might. So this is what, this is what he's saying to us. He's saying, you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. But are you dominating your circumstances? Because if you're not, it's because you don't have it in your heart. And yet my Bible says in Romans 10 that I get it down to my heart by hearing it preached and preaching it to myself and studying to show myself approved. When it gets into your heart and comes out of your mouth, then it's power packed. And no one can do it for you. So he wanted peace with Esau, but he really needed peace with himself. Drop down to verse 24 because this is where I've, I've found myself. 
And Jacob was left alone. No one can do you for do this for you. Your wife can't. Your husband can't. You, you know your pastor can't. You, your mama, dad. They, nobody can do this. You need to do this. And we don't have time to go there. But if you went over to Hosea chapter twelve, I think that there it, it makes it very clear that he was alone, left alone in prayer. He was in a prayer place, a prayer posture. So he was left alone and he wrestled a man until the breaking of the day. Well, yeah, Hosea 12, 4 says that, that, um, that this was a prayer war that was going on within him. So he was in this wrestling match. But he got to a place where pretending was pointless. Like his very name, Jacob, means chiseler, means cheat. You know, I'm a cheater. And so he had that going on, and that was his identity. Even after 20 years and beginning to walk in the blessing, he had to have that changed. See, when God created you, you're not... You shouldn't never settle for leftovers. You don't serve a leftover God. You should be expecting new life. Not, I mean, Gideon was expecting leftovers. That's why he was hiding, hoping that the Midianites would not steal everything that he had. He had that poverty mentality. He had that inferiority going on in his life, and he couldn't get free until God came and intervened. I mean, so, so, so you are a person of value. You need, to speak, you need to seek out and appreciate quality things. You need to seek out and appreciate quality things and expect them in your life. Now, somebody would say, well, that's a prosperity message. Well, Deuteronomy 8.18 says that he gave you power to get wealth to establish his covenant. In Psalm 82, he said, you're, you're living like me. He said, you've been made a king, but you're going to die a slave. In Corinthians chapter 3, Paul the Apostle said, he said, you're carnal and you live in, as babes because there's so much division among you. I can't even give you any meat. What's division? Racism. Anything that causes division tells me that you're carnally minded, that you don't see yourself with enough respect on, or whatever, how that works, or see others with enough respect to realize we've all been created in the image and likeness of God, and I can't look down my nose at anybody. On the other hand, nobody's going to look down their nose at me either. I'm not going to fight them over it. You know, I remember reading, Al, was it... Don't go there, don't go there, okay. Praise the Lord. Don't need to go down that road anymore. So, so, so what he's saying here, here he is, he's wrestling with this angel of God, or God himself, however this turns out to be. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, when I read that, I said, now that's what hunger looks like. I'm, I'm not going to let go of you. God, I'm not going to let go of you until I learn to walk in what it is that you got for me. You said that the Holy Ghost would come, that he would teach me the things of Jesus and show me things to come, that he would show me what belongs to me. You told me in Ephesians chapter 1 that the Holy Ghost is my down payment, that the Holy Ghost is my forever friend that sticks closer than a brother and that he's here right now. So uh, verse, so it says here, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh went out of joint as he wrestled with him. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look at that and I'm thinking, well, you know, uh, a wound will heal, but a scar is a reminder of something. And I, I remember looking at this and thinking, I trust people with a limp because I know they've been through some things. 
There's something about being broken that's better. You know, we've all learned how to fall backwards in Pentecostal circles, but it's time to learn how to fall forward. You know, some humility. Like, oh, God, without you, I'm nothing. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but without you, I'm dirt. So I cannot ever see myself better than anybody else. But on the other hand, I can't see myself lower than anybody else because I was created in the image and the likeness of God. But I've got a right to be here. And so do you. And, and, and then, so then I need to realize, I need to see myself the way that he sees me, and then I can go and be successful, no matter what the endeavor. Right? So anyway, so his leg went out of joint. And he said, let me go. The day is coming. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Verse 27, he said, what is your name? Now, that's the hard part. Because now you're going to have to tell him what your name is. Now you can't pretend like you do in church on a Sunday morning. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I have got it all together. And I'm feeling sorry for you. Because I'm super spirit man. And what happened to you anyway? Don't you believe anything? No, he had to say, my name is Cheater. My name is Supplanter. My name is, I'm not really all that hot. My name is, I want everybody to think I'm super spirit man, super spirit woman. The fact is, without your help, I can't go another step. But this is what, this is, you know, it's not a time to pretend. It's not a time to be more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. He whispered, I'm a cheater. But let's read on. He said, my name is Jacob. He said, your name shall no more be called. See, because when you admit it, God changes it. When you finally admit it, that you're not all that in a big bag of chips. No, no, here's what we do. Here's what we do. Well, I, I may not be the best, but I know more about the Bible than Cyril Sparks. I may not be the best, but bless God, I get to church at least three times a month. We've always got this way of putting somebody down just to get a little elevation, because down inside, we're like Gideon. I'm so inferior. I don't matter much. I, I don't have anything to offer God. Other people have a talented, and I'm not. That's a lie, too. Jesus gave out talents. He gave five to somebody and then went out and multiplied and came back rather with five more. He gave two and went out with two more. The person, the inferior person, went and hid the one that they were given, hid the gift that they were given, and never put it to use. You have a gift. You are a gift from God. You are a member of the body of Christ and a part of the body in particular. You have a place. You have a ministry. You have a calling on your life. And, and maybe you don't think it's significant. Maybe you're just the baby toe. Well, stub it on something and tell me how it feels. All of a sudden, the baby toe requires a lot of attention. God said every part of the body is important. Just have one part malfunction, and you see what happens. And this is where the church has been floundering along. Because we get full of pride, and we get offended, and we move on somewhere else and take that same trash to the next place. Because we never fall forward. We've learned to fall backward. It's time to fall, it's time to fall forward and say, God, my name is, these things are, are in me are not right. And now, what shall we do? What shall we do? See, because God can't bless who you pretend to be. If you're wondering why you're not blessed, maybe it's because you're pretending. It's not a very happy message right now. <laughs> no, but here's the, here's the good thing. He said, what is, my what is your name? My name is Cheater. He said, your name will no more be called Jacob, but Israel. What does Israel mean? Contender, one who prevails. So that's who he was all along, but he didn't see it until he got serious with God, until he wrestled 
day and he wrestled in prayer and said, I'm not leaving this prayer closet until I get a word from God. Amen. He said, I'm not leaving till you bless me. And so he passed over and he, and he walked upon his thigh. But again, this, it was an event, but the scar, I think but the scar was a reminder. And what I don't understand completely is when I read Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. It talks about all the great things that people did. But when it talks about Jacob, it says that he worshiped God leaning on his staff. And to me, it tells me, like Mephibosheth in Samuel chapter 9, even after, he, even after the king redeemed him, the Bible says he was lame in both of his feet. And it kind of gives me the idea that I, I need to walk worthy of the Lord, but I can't walk this by myself. Like he has to direct my steps. Like, and what I can take away from Jesus is, I'm not going to do anything unless I see you do it. I'm going to try to do something, get something going in the church. I know what I want to see happening, but I'm not the performer of it. No performance. None. Let's go to Matthew 21. When you really think about it, too, lots of times the churches over the years have waited for the pastor to do something. Build this church. Grow this church. You know, this next season we're going into is all about harvest. And, and, and a lot of that has to happen out where you are. When they see something different happening in your life. When they see that you're not living in fear like they are. When they see that you're living at a higher level than they are with the things that are coming troubling the earth today. This trouble is the latest one, but it's not the last one. There'll be other ones coming. Pray that you'll pass the test. So Matthew chapter 21, is that where I say go? Up verse 22. Pastor Paul, this is like preaching in the Philippines up here. Yeah. Is it like the Philippines down there too? I'm hot. They got the grant for the heat pumps. I just hope they have them in soon. Anyway, verse uh, chapter chapter 21, right? Verse 22. In all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you receive, believing you shall receive. So when you're praying, when you're praying. Pray like Jacob, I'm not letting go until I get what I came for. That's not arrogance, that's a determined hunger, that's, an, that's, that's a desperation, that's good. Because hunger without faith will get you frustrated. And faith without hunger gets you, gets you complacent, I've watched it over the years. People have, have, have the word and have some faith operating in their lives, and then they become complacent and half-hearted. And the thing about whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believe, and you receive them, is faith knows that it's already been provided. Faith knows, Ephesians 1, 3, that you've already been blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. So what you're praying for or praying through is already there. I mean, he created you in his image and in his likeness. And in Genesis 1 and verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the water. But then God said, Light be. Romans 4, 17, Calling those things that be not as though they were. And when he called for light, darkness had to leave. And then he said, You're created in my image and in my likeness. And so what you don't like, you address with the word of God. Amen. So that's what makes the change. Uh, maybe one or two more verses. First Samuel chapter 2. Yell hallelujah when you get to Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2. Hallelujah. Aha, we got some. We got a few. Verse 8. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts the beggar out of the 
Orada. I mean, if you all know what a dunghill is, I live in the country now. If you, if you need some education, come out and I'll show you. They pile it up with bulldozers. And he said, I'll take you out of the dunghill and set you among princes to make you inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. So it's not by might and it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I, I, I wasn't going to go there, but I'd like to just go back to Psalm 82. I know we've looked at this just a few weeks ago, but I want to remind you. I want to remind you of who you are, who he made you to be. He's the firstborn among many what? Brethren. He considers you his brother, his sister, family. Family. An heir of God and a joint or an equal heir with Jesus. But anyway, Psalm 82 is very clear. He said, God, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly? How? And he's saying, he's saying, church, how long are you going to let these things go on in your city? How long are you going to let these things go on in your house? Because if you can get your house fixed, you can get your town fixed. If you can get yourself fixed, you can get your house fixed. It, start, it, start, it starts back in the house, back at home. You get that fixed, and then you move out from there, right? You move out from there. How do I do that? Be, because you're a priest and a king. Because you can pray it through and you can declare it so. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? <clears throat> Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to those that are afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and the needy out of the hand of the wicked. They don't know. Look at this. See, you wonder what's going on. If you're watching the media, this is what's going on. I, I refuse to watch it. And people, people, if you're watching and you keep sending me these things, you've got to read this before they take it down. Please don't send me anymore. I don't watch them anyway. I haven't watched one in weeks. They're too disturbing and too conflicting. And who knows if they're true either. So don't send them. Keep And here's the situation. You can get upset with people, but look, they don't know. They don't even understand. They're walking in darkness and they're being played by a puppet master. The Bible says he's the God of this world, the prince of, the, of, the prince of darkness. And if you don't, you don't have any light, you're stumbling around in the dark. So we're getting all mad at people. If we knew how many... No. Political opinions don't matter. They walk on in the darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, and this we know he, that this is from John chapter, John, is it John chapter 12, 1035? Is that what it is? I have called you gods, all of you children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. In other words, in verse 6 says this, I have declared you Amar, gods you are, Elohim Atah, sons of the Most High. All of you are a reflection of your father. That's what it says in the Hebrew. You are a reflection of your father. You want to know what God looks like? Look at the person next to you. Because they were created in the image and the likeness of God. Isaiah 40 says he measured the heavens with a span. When you look it up in the Hebrew, it's a nine-inch span, making a man between 5'10 and 6 feet tall. That was God. He's not sitting somewhere on a big stone throne waiting to judge you. He already judged sin and laid it on Jesus so that he could embrace you. The curtain, the veil was rent from top to the bottom so that God could come out to you. And you could come in to him boldly on the throne of grace. He did everything to redeem you. I've just got one more. I'll read this because I already had it set up on my phone. I'm going to read Romans 8, 5 to 9. 
This is the ever-growing, ever-popular passion translation. Romans 8 and verse 5. This is my closing verses. For the mind of the flesh is death. So, in other words, when I'm laid by my head, it's not going to produce any life, right? But the mind committed, the mind controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. So if I'm not finding life and peace, I'm living out of my head. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasing with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you're not of Him. So we're joined to the Spirit, but we're, we're doing a head bypass operation, right? We're, we're, it's it's kind of like, you know, you believe in your heart and it's not your blood pump. But, but here's where you believe from. You don't believe from here because up here fights the things of the Spirit of God. God's word doesn't make sense. God's plan don't make sense. March around at six days and keep your mouth shut. Doesn't make any sense to you. God's, God's ways are higher than your ways. And he said, he said, he said he chose the foolishness of preaching to confound the wisdom of the world. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.